Good morning. Good morning, Grace Fellowship. Or should I say, survivors of Winter Storm Harper, bring it on. You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. So they, um, they, they tell you when you um, go to school to, to speak that you need to build rapport. So um, to start out, I promise this morning that I'm going to be far more accurate in my teaching than a weatherman. Okay? I promise far more, far greater accuracy. <laughs> it is always an honor to get to share with you this morning if you don't know me. My name is Travis Farmer. And I am just like you. I'm just another one of the bozos on the bus here at Grace Fellowship. Yeah. It's awesome. But more than that, I am just a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I believe that the, the message of Jesus Christ can affect every single aspect of our life every single day. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, it doesn't matter what career you have, what job you have, what you do with your day. The love and grace of Jesus Christ is right there with you. It can change your day. It can transform your day. And that the beautiful message of the cross is this, is that every single day we have a chance to receive the wonderful love and grace of God and that God is so good to us that he also every single day gives us chances to reflect that love and grace to others. It's a beautiful life. It's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful mission that we all have. So today I get to conclude this little mini-series that we started this year, All Things New. So Jeff, when he taught two weeks ago, he said, no matter how bad things get, it is never too late to start again. What an awesome truth, right? Amen. So this morning I want to build on that, that all things are new, and that is so true that no matter how bad things get, it is never too late to start again in Jesus Christ. And I want to add to this statement, and again, and again, and again. So my message this morning is for those of us who may already need a mulligan for the new year. All right? My message for this, this morning is for those of us who may already need to hit the reset button, right? Because we all need redos. We all need to restart every once in a while. Now, statistics say, and I, I got to say, because it's stati a statistic and I found it on the internet, it's doubly true, okay? <laughs> the title and where I found it. Statistics would say that two-thirds of us, two out of every three of us, are only seven days away from completely giving up on our New Year's resolution because of just complete failure. Two out of every three. Now, I know it's not me. And I know all of you know it's not you. So look to the person on your right. Give them that little shake in the head. Look to the person to your left and just give that condescending. <laughs> now we all just want to punch somebody. But we all need a redo, right? Thank God that we have grace, that we get the chance to start over again, and God can make all things new through the power and love of Jesus Christ. This is beautiful. This is an incredible message. This is an awesome message that we can have new beginnings, but the message of grace goes beyond a new beginning. The message of grace says, yes, you can have a new beginning, but you can also not repeat the past. That's the other side of grace. How awesome. 
So I can, I can hit the reset button, I can restart, but I don't have to repeat the failure. I don't have to repeat the mistakes. I can learn and I can grow. That is a beautiful part of grace that I can be forgiven and I can also be made new and be different. That I can live differently from today on. Grace is so awesome. Would you pray with me as I start this morning? God, thank you so much today for your grace. That every single day your mercies are new. That every single day you call to us with your love and with your passion for us, God. That you want us every single day to receive your love and grace. And that every single day you put in front of us chances to reflect that. God, today we thank you for that. And I pray that through this, that you would sharpen us, God. Lord, to rely on you more, to, to look at you more in every single moment of every single day, that there wouldn't be a single moment in our life that we feel that you are absent from us, but that we would welcome your presence in everything that we say and everything that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. So the passenger ship, the SS Weramu, which I'm not going to say that name again because it's just weird. But the passenger ship was going from Vancouver, Canada, to Australia. And the date was December the 31st, 1899. And as this passenger boat was crossing through the waters of the Pacific Ocean, the first mate took the coordinates to the captain, and the captain noticed one awesome thing that could happen with this boat's journey. So the captain adjusted the coordinates adjusted their path, adjusted their speed, so that they could achieve the navigational feat of a lifetime. The captain steered the course of this ship so that exactly at midnight on December 31st, the boat would be crossing the equator and also crossing the international dateline all at the same moment. Now, the result of this is an astronomical, is, is so cool, because this means that the front part of the boat was in the middle of the summer in the next year, and the back part of the boat was still in winter in the following year. The boat was in two different days, two different months, two different years, two different seasons, and two different centuries, all at the same time. How cool is that, right? Yeah, thank you, Mr. Captain, for giving us this awesome story. I don't even know if it's true or not, but I'm going to keep talking about it as if it is. It was on the Internet. <laughs> Actually, somebody posted it on Facebook, so it's really true. Thank you for whoever did that. You gave me the story. So when I read this story first, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really cool story. I hope it's true. I'm going to live the rest of my life as if it is. And um, I proceeded. I was like, oh, that's neat. And then I shared it with Tara. Then I shared it with the girls. And thought, oh, well, that's a cool story. And then quickly began the process of forgetting all about the story, right? Like, hey, I, I read it, I shared it, and I'm, now I'm going to act like I never heard about it before. But for some reason, this story stayed in my mind. Have you ever had that, like a story or a song that just stays in your mind? This one was sticky to me. I was thinking, like, okay, why am I continually, like, thinking about this boat and, okay, whatever, it's navigational feat? Because it has nothing to do with my life. I, I, I'm not a sailor. I don't know much about navigating on the ocean. You know how hard I had to work to memorize the bow and the stern, okay? Just for this message. Two words. 
because this has really like nothing to do with my life, but this boat was just, it was sticky in my brain. And I kept thinking like, what in the world? Why is this story kept staying there? So I was journaling my um, goals for this next year and some of the things I wanted to accomplish and this story kept coming back to my mind about this boat. And then finally this thought crossed my mind as I'm journaling out my goals for this year that I just had this thought go through my mind. That boat is how I live much of my life when I'm trying to do something new. That boat is how I live a lot of my life. Not totally committing in either direction. A little bit of me in the new and a little bit of me in the old. A little bit of me going towards hope but a little bit of me anchored in bitterness. A little bit of me is looking towards the future, and then there's that other part of me that I'm still holding on to things in the past. And like that boat, my heart is divided many days because I'm just straddling the line. I'm just straddling that line between the old and between the new. And I, I want to be new, I wanna have new things, I wanna be a new creation, but instead of moving the boat to where the old is no longer possible, I stay in this location where being positive and being new is just simply walking to the front of that boat. I'm going to be good today. I'm going to have great thoughts. I'm going to have great emotions. Everything's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, just a bad situation happens that day. And the old me is just simply a walk to the back of the boat. And I can walk back to my old self really quick and really fast. And I find myself back there, and then I, I talk myself out, no, 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 we're going to be new again. And so I walk back to the front of the boat, and I keep walking back and forth and back and forth. And just like that boat, I live in a state of division. And can I tell you this morning, you do too. We all do. Every single one of us in here this morning has a divided heart. Our hearts are so broken and divided between the old and the new. We want the new so bad. But that old is so powerful, is it not? It holds this thing over us. And so we stay and our hearts are divided and our hearts are broken because that old is our history. It's my failures. It's my regrets. It's my past. It's my hurts. It's the things that other people did to me that hurt. All of my history. We all have a history of hurts and feeling the effects of our own sinful nature and feeling the effects of others' sinful nature. And that becomes our history and it can become our narrative. And we begin to be like this boat where we just straddle that line. Not fully committing to anything new because anything new that comes along the way, <laughs> I've got an equally opposite experience to argue against this really actually possibly happening for me. And so I have that line and I can just straddle back and forth. How do I feel today? Oh, I feel good today, so I'm going to go to the bow of the boat. Oh, today, I don't feel that good today. I don't feel that good today. I'm just going to go back to the negative side of the boat. I'm going to go back to the old me. And we go back and forth and back and forth. Instead of moving the boat. Instead of making the old not possible anymore, we can live a life of division where we just go back and forth and back and forth. 
and then we get frustrated why true and full change doesn't happen. Am I right? And so we live in that tension. And so this morning I want to pull out that our hearts are so torn and so divided. And this isn't just us. This is human history all the way since the fall from God's grace back in the garden. Thank God that Jesus Christ gave that back to us. But we still have that division and that tear in our hearts. So this morning, being completely predictable, I'm going to pull out a Numbers chapter 13. I know that's very predictable. So Numbers chapter 13, let me give you where we are in the biblical narrative. So in Numbers chapter 13, we're in the Old Testament, and we are on the journey with Israel. Israel had been in slavery to Egypt for 400 years, and this wasn't nice slavery. This was, they were, they were abused, they were forced labor, they were given just enough supplies to survive. 400 years. Can you imagine the generational thinking that Israel had coming out of Egypt. And then Israel finds itself finally escaping Egypt as a people and then taking a journey to go to this promised land of Canaan. And this story picks up right when they're on the edge of Canaan. But here's the other side of the story. The journey from Egypt to Canaan is about 380 miles, could have been done in two to three months. It took them two years. Two years of wandering. And right here we pick up in this narrative in the Bible where Israel had been in slavery for 400 years, then they had been wandering for two years, and they're standing on the edge of their promised land. And the story starts out like this in chapter 13. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people Israel. I have to stop us right there to ask this one question. Why in the world does God need them to spy out the land of Canaan? They're at the edge of the, they're, they're at the, edge of the land. This is their promised land. And if God has promised it to them, and if God is all-powerful, and if God is all-knowing, why in the world does God need some intelligence on what is in the land? This command is not for God's benefit. This command is for the benefit of Israel. Because what we're going to find out is this command for God to tell Israel to go and spy out the land is going to bring about what Israel is really carrying. Because you see, Israel was wandering around in the desert, and they were technically a free nation. But they were carrying around some serious baggage in their hearts. They had some serious division. They had some serious history that they were holding right here. And God saying, go and spy out the land of Canaan was going to bring this all right to the surface. This action seems so simple. Go and spy out the land. This is like the greatest command that God has ever given. Let me put it in other words. God says, go unnoticed and make it your goal to be nosy about everybody else's business. That's what God told them to do. 
This is like the greatest command of God. Be unnoticed and just be that fly on the wall. And Israel goes into Canaan with that. But we find that it's generally not the command that's difficult. It's not the new goal that's difficult. When I write out new goals, it's not writing out the goal or what it specifically is that trips me up, right? It's my history. It's what I'm taking to that goal. It's the division and brokenness in my heart. Because it seems so easy to just say, guys, just go and spy on the land and go and take it. It seems so easy. But there's a history. They have a history of hurt. They have a history that is in their heart that they're carrying with them through the desert. And you and I are no different than them. If you set the goal, hey, let's, let, me, let me get in better physical shape for this year. That sounds easy enough. Just get in better shape. Just eat better. Sounds simple, right? The new goal sounds simple. But it doesn't let you see what I'm carrying of the past times that I tried to get in shape or eat better and failed. And it doesn't let you know the division that's in my heart between ice cream and broccoli. It doesn't let you see that. It sounds simple. But what I'm carrying makes it difficult. Stop sabotaging your relationships. That seems normal. Until you see the effect of regret and low self-worth. You see the whole twist on that? Now I can understand, oh my gosh, this is why, this is why we sabotage relationships, because there's a history. There's something I'm bringing into it. Stop getting so angry and flying off the handle at anybody that crosses your path. Yeah, that sounds normal. That sounds right. But what it doesn't show us is the history of disappointment and suspicion from being hurt by others in the past. You see, sometimes it's not the new goal that's difficult. It's our history. It's my baggage. It's my brokenness that I'm carrying into that goal. And so God is doing this with Israel. He's saying, go spy out that land. I know Israel in their mind at this time is thinking, this is awesome. We're going in to check it out. We're, we're going in to, to, to select our plots. But God knows, mm -mm. this is going to bring up into the front of your mind your history. This is going to bring, just going and looking at that land is not simple as that. It's going to bring up that history that you're holding inside. Because when we want something new, when Israel wants something new, what looks like a straight line to others is met with the mountains and the valleys and the thorns and the obstacles of my history up here. Are you with me? Yeah. You can say, oh, just do this new thing. Just do it. Just be a happier person. Just have more joy. Just have more hope. Just do it. You don't see what's up here. You don't know the effect of, of our history, of our thinking, and how that taints us. And how it, it, it skews everything that I see and how I see it. 
Israel here was absolutely no different. Spy out the land I'm giving you seems so easy. But it has a history. For Israel, a history. 400 years of slavery. America hasn't even been in existence that long. Can you imagine that? This is a long time for a group of people to be enslaved. 400 years of being abused. 400 years of feeling neglected by God. 400 years. Only to be met with a journey that should have taken a couple months to being taken two years. Do you see what was right in the front of their mind? This is another disaster. And they enter the land of Canaan with this huge feeling of inferiority and being completely forsaken by God. And do you, do you blame them? Can we wave the finger and say, how dare you guys doubt God? No, look at their history. Look at what they're carrying. And it's taken them so much longer to just be a nation, to just get to what their goal is, to just get to what their dreams are, to just get to what their visions are. Does anybody else feel like that is you? It's just taken a little too long. This is just a little too hard. This is just a little too difficult. And then Israel, they send spies in, and this is how they look at everything. God, no other nation are slaves like us. <laughs> just go into this land of Canaan. God, no other nation has lived as slaves. God, no other nation has, has, has wandered like we have for two years. God, every other nation is established. God, every other nation has cities. Every other nation is organized. Every other nation is wealthy. Every other nation. And we do the same in our lives. God, everyone else loves their job. God, everyone else is financially set. God, everyone else has found their thing. God, everyone else has hope. Everyone else has a great marriage. Everyone else is happy. Everyone else, everyone else has. Everyone else. And we begin to look at our life in comparison. Everything is everyone else. And I begin to, to look, and God is trying to show me my promise right in front of me. And I can't see the promise that God has for me because I'm seeing what promises and what everyone else has. And God is saying, I'm trying to deliver you into your promise. And we keep looking at everyone else saying, yeah, I would love that. But them and them and them and everyone else and everyone else. And we continually look all around. This is what was in Israel. Their faith in God was shattered. They had so much baggage. Israel may have been a free nation in the desert, but up here in their mind, they were still building bricks. Up here in their mind, they were still having their backs beaten by the Egyptians. They were not free. So my question is, why in the world would God have done it this way? Why would God have done it this way? He knew their history. He knew what this new would do in their minds, what it would bring to surface. He knew what this would do. He knew that this would be a painful thing. God, could you not have just given them the participation trophy? Could you not have just given it to them? 
but they're feeling this pain. They're feeling this inferiority. They're feeling this, this distance from God. They feel like it's taken too long. This has been too hurtful. And now they want their new, and they're spying out their dreams. And it's not going as planned. Because of this one truth, we are not new when we have a new outward appearance. We are new when we have a new inner reality. Doesn't matter what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. I have met some of the poorest rich people in my life. And I have met some of the richest poor people in my life. It makes no difference what is on the outside. Absolutely none. It's the inner reality. It's what you believe on the inside. I want to say that point another way. God is not as concerned with the destination as who we are when we get there. Our goals are not as, a, as important as who we become while achieving them. This is the new. Could God have cleared out the land of Canaan before Israel? Could they have arrived there and been like the spies just gone in and been like, nobody's there. The fields are completely cleared. The cities are abandoned. We can just go in and take it. God cleared it all out before us. Could he have done that? Yeah. Can God do that for you and I? Yeah. Can you wake up tomorrow morning and have that bank error in your favor where that million dollars is there? <laughs> yeah. Woo. Don't count on it. <laughs> Bring it right back down. Yes, of course God could have done that. But it's not the destination that is in God's mind. It's who we're becoming. It's who you're becoming. It's who I am becoming. For Israel, if they would have entered Canaan immediately, they would have ruined it. They would have ruined it. They would have turned Canaan into Egypt part two. And the same is with you and I, and that is the hard part of becoming new, is that there are some hopes and goals that I have in my life that I've got to make sure that God heals my history and my brokenness, or I'm going to make that goal and that dream in my life just the past part two, and I don't want that. So we're on that journey. We're on that journey for God to heal our hearts and to heal our past and to make all things new. Because for Israel, it was about changing their personal label and having a new life of faith and trust in God. That is what it was about. Here's the secret. It was never about Canaan. It was never about Canaan. It was about Israel having their trust and faith in God restored. That was the point. That was the point of leaving Egypt. That was the point of becoming a free nation was that they would have a restored life of faith and trust in God. And for you and for me, it doesn't matter what goals we set for our lives. Our goals, according to God, is to change our personal labels and have a new life of faith and trust in him. Everything comes back to that. Any other addition, anything else that we can put on that, God is not concerned with that. That falls to the wayside. God is concerned about who you are becoming. God is concerned about who I am 
becoming. So let's find out what was in Israel as we continue the story at verse 25. It says, At the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We have come to the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. How awesome. However, man, there's always that however. The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. But then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. And they said, As long as the people of Israel did... Oh, wait. I was finished. Yeah, that was the end of it. I'm sorry, the last slide is missing. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, and this is where it should finish. And they said that the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Israel's hearts were divided between their history and their hope. Israel's hearts were divided between their history and their hope. And you ask me, where do I see that? I see that right here in the report that they bring back. What were they asked to go and spy on? The land. The land was their hope. What did they come back noticing? The land and the people of Israel. The land. Why did they notice the people? Why did they notice them? Why did that shake them? They noticed them because who had they been enslaved to for 400 years? People. Who had abused them? People. Who had hindered them from a, getting to the promised land earlier? People. Their history was tripping up their hope. They couldn't get past it. And so they go into this promised land, and God says, look at your hope. And that history, man, they just didn't move that boat. They had one part of it in hope, but that history was just a walk to the back of the ship away. And they go into that land, and they see their history all over again. Those people are huge. Those people, this land devours those that are in it. There's no way we are able to do this. They have a history. They have a division. They have a hurt in their heart. And God wants to take that hurt and expose it and rewrite that history. This story can seem so painful on the outside because what is going to happen 
is that Israel now is going to have to wander 38 more years before entering the promised land. But is that cruel or is that grace? I say it's grace. It's hard grace, but it's grace. Because God is making sure that their promise, that their hope, that Canaan isn't spoiled when they get there. That exposing of history, that exposing of our hurts, that exposing of the past, it hurts. But God is so good that he doesn't want to just pile good new things on top of our hurts so that we are just distracted from the old and the past. God is so good and loving that he allows us to have our hurts exposed so he can heal them. So how awesome would that be if Israel can enter Canaan without a history and God is giving them that opportunity? And today God is giving you that opportunity. That is grace. Grace is becoming new, being forgiven, and then having a chance to have things rewritten. Israel's history of slavery to other people made them feel completely insignificant and not protected by God. But I can easily change that sentence around, and we can all make it personal. My history of fill in the blank makes me feel fill in the blank and not blank by God. My history of fill it in makes me feel and not by God. We walk around with that sentence every day, don't we? We walk around with this sentence of our history and thinking that our history is there with us and cannot be rewritten. But the beautiful message is, is that it can be. And for Israel, as long as the people of Israel did not allow their self-perception and their faith to be healed by God, no matter where they settled, it would never be the promised land. It would just become Egypt all over again. Sure, it would start out different, but it would always lead back to the same thing. Have you ever faced that? God, why do my relationships always end up being back to where they were? Well, you didn't change. Why, does, why, why do my jobs or my career choices always lead back to the same thing? Because there wasn't true change. God, why, does my, why do my emotions not change? Because you're not changed. Your inner reality is still broken. God wants so much more for us, and he's willing for Israel to allow them to wander around in the desert so that they can become a people that rely and have new faith in him and that history can be rewritten. This is beautiful. We live lives of frustration because we want the new now. I want it now. I want my new right now. But I stand before you that if God gives me all the things that I dream about right now, I am going to ruin them. Because I still have history that I'm taking into it that God needs to rewrite. And God wants to do the same for you. Jesus says these words of encouragement in Mark chapter 10. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. 
For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Why is Christ talking about a child and faith like a child? It's because a child doesn't have that history log. That's my interpretation. So we have Addison as a crawler now, okay? This is terrifying. And we have stairs in our house. <laughs> Addison doesn't have a history of falling downstairs. So it's terrifying for us because we've tripped downstairs and it hurts. But this little baby is crawling around the house, not realizing the dangers that are all around her because she hasn't experienced them. She doesn't have that history logbook yet. And so she crawls around, and we're the ones filled with anxiety, like, oh, wow, okay, shut that door, shut that pantry, okay, that's an electrical socket, well, you'll learn, you know, and so we, <laughs> don't do that, so <laughs> we protect her a lot more, but she doesn't have that history logbook yet, because she's a child, and that's what Jesus says, and if Jesus said to come to him like that, that means it's possible. He wouldn't give us an impossible instruction. So if he says that we can receive the kingdom of God like a child, meaning our logbook of the past, of our regrets, or of the things that have been done against us by others, that logbook can be thrown out, and I can have a new history, and my history can be like that of a child where I don't have it. That is a beautiful and this is where God is giving Israel the grace to learn to trust him again in their journeys. But God is no different yesterday or today. He's giving you grace and he's giving me grace to continue to travel on this journey so that I can be made new so that when he brings me into his promises, I'm ready. You're ready to accept them with a full life of faith in God. Several years ago, we were driving on the, the roads around our house. Now, we, we live out in the country, so there's like nothing out there. There's hardly any traffic or anything like that. And we're about a quarter of a mile from the house. And I pulled the car to the side of the road, and Riley was, I think, seven years old at the time, somewhere around there. And I said, hey, Riley, why don't you come up here and sit on my lap and drive home? Yeah! She unbuckles her seatbelt. She comes right up. She sits on my lap. And she is all ready to, yeah, I'm driving home. This has never happened before. And so she grabs a hold of the wheel, and I hit the gas, and we start to drive, and she freaks out. Oh, my gosh, we're going to crash. Ah, ah. And, and she is, she's freaking out because she thinks we're going to wreck, because, and she's going, I don't know how to drive this. I don't know how to do this. And I put my hand on her shoulder, and I said, Riley, who has their foot on the gas pedal? Me. Who has their foot right beside the brake? Me. Who has their other hand still on the steering wheel? <laughs> Me. We're not going to wreck. We're not going to wreck. I'm just letting you learn what it's like to drive. I'm letting you learn what it's like to have and experience some freedom. That right there is the 
Best picture I have in my mind right now to tell you how the life of faith in God is. God's got you. He's the one that controls the, the tempo. He can put the brakes on it at any time, and he's got his hand on the wheel. But he releases us, and it's a beautiful thing. He releases us in some freedom to explore his beautiful creation and to go after some wonderful dreams and goals and visions. And it's terrifying, but God's in control. God is totally in control where you are today. Whatever you have in your mind, whatever new you want for this year, whatever you have in your heart, in your life today, God is in control. David, in the book of Psalms, when he was seeking God in a bad way, a good way, bad way, is whatever language you use, he says this, Teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart so I can fear your name. No longer being internally divided, but fully embracing the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, both on the outside with our smiles and on the inside with our thinking. That is a beautiful step in making all things new. Whatever your new is this year, my prayer is that you become fully new in your heart and your mind and then everything else will be added to you I want to give you a quick way to apply this this morning before we go and it simply follows this verse in Psalms the first way to apply this to become new and have my, my broken heart mended David says teach me your way oh God how do I learn from God I've got to spend time reading his scripture I've got to spend time praying. I've got to spend time connecting with other people of faith to push me on and help me, to help me see God, to help get me out of ruts that I get into when I go to the back of the boat again to pull me back up to the bow and say, no, 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 we're new, we're moving this thing. I've got to get connected, get connected to ministries where you can pour out and it's not all about you, where you can pour out to others and just bless them. That's a beautiful thing. Teach me your way, oh God, that I may walk in your truth. And then the second action, give me an undivided heart. Notice David isn't saying, I'm going to create an undivided heart. This is up to God. God, give me that undivided heart. No matter how much you and I work, we cannot heal our hearts. Only the love and grace of Jesus Christ can. It is only his forgiveness. It is only his love that sets us free. God can give us that undivided heart. It's allowing yourself to become new up here. And when you do that, that is the beautiful beginning of all things new. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much today. God, for your love and for your grace. How awesome. And Lord, today I pray that the divisions in our heart, that the hurts that we have, the fears that we have, the yesterdays and all of the history that we bring to the table, God, give us the courage to allow you to rewrite them today so that we can become a new people. We can become a people that can embrace the hope that you have, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. And we thank you today and we rejoice 
in all of your blessings. We pray these things in your name. Amen.